City Church. I am not here to worship with you this morning, but I am so excited to introduce to you this morning's preacher. She grew up right here at City Church. Her family was a part of the church when I was hired over 20 years ago. She grew up in all the ministries here at City. She ended up going to the University of Virginia where she graduated and ended up during that time meeting her husband, Josh Moran. Josh actually preached at City Church a few weeks ago when I was away. And again, I'm so excited that Katie will be filling the pulpit in my absence. Josh and Katie have been serving on grounds with Chi Alpha Campus Ministry at UVA for several years now. And over the past several months, they felt the call of God to leave UVA and to pioneer a campus ministry on the campus of James Madison University. So we are in full support of God's call. We have financially committed to Josh and Katie. And again, I'm just thrilled that Katie is here to preach this morning's sermon. So would you please give a rhapsodic City Church welcome to Katie Moran. Hello, family. I'm so glad to be home with you today. I brought my girls, Esther and Emma, with me, and um, they were just so happy to see their friends and to be able to play. As you heard, uh, my husband and I attended here for many years. You probably have seen our children and been concerned for them as they dart out from kids' space and run across the street so they can go climb the trees. So if you've ever seen kids climbing in the trees when you're leaving City Church on a Sunday morning, those are mine, and, uh, and they're wonderful. So I'm so happy to be here. Harrisonburg is great. We, we have been enjoying Harrisonburg and learning to love the city, but City Church and Charlottesville will always be home. So this morning, as Pete said, we're going to continue in this series in Mark. We're going to continue learning about the kingdom of God. And I love the worship set this morning because we're going to learn this morning about the reckless love of God. God gives his love freely and generously. And we're going to learn about that today. In our passage today, we're going to see how God is bringing about his kingdom, what his plan is for the restoration and redemption of the earth, how he's going to bring healing, how he's going to make everything new. And so let's turn together to Mark chapter 4. We should remember as we turn that so far in our series, we have seen that the book of, in the book of Mark that Jesus' message is not necessarily one that has been very popular. The way that Jesus has begun to bring about the kingdom of God, the people he has included, the people he is in relationship with, it's, it's not really what people anticipated. You see, when people thought about how Jesus would come and restore the earth, how he would take this broken earth and make it whole and make it um, new— they thought it was going to be in a big way. They thought, wow, Jesus is just going to come in and take over and make everything new. And that's not really how we've seen Jesus go about it. And so last week, we, we saw that the Pharisees and even Jesus' own family are kind of mad at Jesus. 
they're kind of embarrassed by him. They don't really accept the way that he's bringing about his kingdom. And so when I was reading this, I, I thought, wow, it's, it's kind of like they want Jesus to move in ways that they're comfortable with, in ways that they see is best. And I am so glad that you and I are nothing like that today, right? Okay, so let's start reading in Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat it out on the lake. I'm really glad that I'm not in a boat this morning because I might be nauseous or more nauseous than I am right now. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. But if that helps you guys, if you want to just think that you're like at the ocean or by a lake, if that helps you be more receptive to today's message, you just go right ahead and, and imagine that. So Jesus is teaching from the boat, the people are along the shore, and he taught them many things by parables, which are stories, because we learn really well, typically, in story. And in his teaching, he said, verse 3, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering his seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so they did not bear grain. Still others fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears, let him hear. Let's note that Jesus begins his teaching to the crowd by saying, listen. And then he ends by saying, whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus is saying this message in this parable is important. You see, when Jesus spoke in parables, they were stories that possessed truths about the kingdom of God. And Jesus wanted them to really understand this one. So he told them, listen, and he who, whoever has ears, let them hear. But we'll see as we continue reading that they don't really understand. So let's continue reading in verse 10. When he was alone... So Jesus had gone away from the crowd, and now he just has a small crowd around him, the 12 disciples and some others. It says, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables, and he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they may turn and be forgiven." You guys get that, right? <laughs> when I read this, I was like, what? Jesus is going to give them these truths in this parable, but he doesn't want them to understand? What can that possibly mean? Something that's important to note is one of the ways the kingdom of God comes to the earth. 
the beginning of God coming to the earth. What happens is Jesus comes to the earth and he's on mission, right? And his mission is to restore the earth. But part of his mission is what we celebrated during worship with communion. It's the cross. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew he had to be crucified because there was separation between people and God, and that was because of sin. And he knew that we could not take on the penalty for our sins and be in relationship with him and live eternally. So he chose to come and take our place. So Jesus knows this. He knows that he is walking towards the cross. And so he shares this parable, but he can't share it in a way that they totally understand because if they knew who Jesus really was, if the crowds and the masses knew that this was God, God's son, that this is Jesus, that he is divine, that he is fully God and fully man, they never would have crucified him. And we would never have been able to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus. The veil would not have been torn between us and God So Jesus knows this. So he says it in a parable, though, and he tells them, make sure you take this to heart, you keep this, because Jesus' ministry is not very long on the earth. It's only about three years. And so it's not going to be long before Jesus is going to die. The veil is going to be torn, and they will see clearly. And when they do, Jesus has shared this message of the kingdom of God so that the Holy Spirit will remind them of the truth when they can fully see and fully understand. Because they are crucial, the message in this parable is crucial to understand for anyone who wants to follow Jesus, and that includes us today. Verse 13, Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? So it's important. Again, verse 14, the farmer sows the word. So we begin to see that Jesus is going to explain to the disciples, the people who are following him closely, who have put their faith in him, he's going to explain this parable because they need to understand at this time. The farmer sows the word. What is the word? The word is the message of God, and the word is the kingdom. The word is the message of the kingdom of God, and the word is the person of Jesus. The message and the person of Jesus. Verse 15, some people, Jesus says, like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, 
and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what is sown. The first thing that I notice about Jesus' explanation of what this parable means is that God sows generously. God sows generously. We sing about the reckless love of God. God gives his love freely to anyone. God sent Jesus to share the message of the kingdom, the hope that we have, that Jesus is reconciling the earth to himself, that Jesus is healing us, healing the earth, that that is what he is doing, his mission. That this is that reckless love because it doesn't really make sense, right? Why wouldn't Jesus just throw the seed on the good soil? Because Jesus loves everyone. And he desires, as Martha prayed earlier, that none would perish, that we would all live both eternally with him and also right now. But why does Jesus use the example as a seed, of of a seed? Why does he use a seed? Like when he's talking about the kingdom of God, when he's talking about his mission, his message here on earth, when he's talking about himself, what he's coming to do, why would he use a seed? Well, if you look down at verse 30 with me, he's going to make the, the disciples a little even more confused. He says, as he, again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable should we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. So remember, everyone is thinking Jesus is coming in power. He's going to come quickly. He's going to come rule and reign over the earth and make everything better all at once. That's what they're thinking. They're thinking it's just going to happen because he's God. He can do that. But Jesus is trying to help them understand that that's not his, the way, his method of going about healing the earth. And so So Jesus is talking about a seed, and then he goes even further and says, like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed. And I can just imagine that, you know, Jesus says, okay, I'm going to explain the parable to you. And so the disciples are sitting on the edge of their seats, like, okay, what's he going to compare the kingdom of God to? Like, the kingdom of God is like something really powerful and strong, right? And Jesus is like, it's like a mustard seed, the smallest seed. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking, that is like the most, the least intimidating mascot ever. It's like, like a fighting turtle or something, or like a hokey. Like, what in the world? Like, so, so crazy that Jesus would compare the kingdom of God to a tiny little seed. Like, God, are you sure? Do you want to choose something different? But we have to remember that the kingdom of God does not work like we think it should. It's the upside-down kingdom where the lost is found, where to die is to truly live, where the poor are blessed, where to lead means to be a servant, 
It's the upside-down kingdom. And so Jesus says, yes, my kingdom is like a tiny little mustard seed that's going to totally transform the world. Read with me in verse 32. Yet, when planted, it, the tiny little mustard seed, grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, which such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. So Jesus compares the kingdom of God to this tiny little seed, and that tiny little seed grows and transforms the garden, right? And spreading this tiny little seed is the way that God says, that Jesus says the kingdom of God is going to come. How he says that he is going to transform the world. And in verse 20, we see our part in this. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what is sown. This means as we hear the word, as we hear the message of the kingdom of God, as we encounter the person of Jesus, as we accept him and his message, we will bear fruit. We will grow. We will produce seeds that are sown. We will sow seeds into other people. They will grow. They will sow seeds of the message into other people, and so on and so on and so on until the entire world is transformed. That is how God wants to bring about the kingdom. This is the greatest rescue plan ever crafted. We have a saying in Chi Alpha that that I think just um, encapsulates this so well, and it is, what God does in you, he wants to do through you. So we see as these seeds grow and develop roots and and are planted and grow and spread more seed, he, he wants that. He wants the seed to be spread. He wants what God has transformed in your life He wants the faith you have found in Jesus to be shared through you to others. That is his rescue plan. And in order for the seed to to do that, to come and, and transform us, the soil, we need to be good soil. I don't know about you, but I want to be the good soil that we read about. I want to help Jesus restore the earth. You see, Jesus did come, but he does not have full reign of the earth yet. How do I know this? Because there's still sickness. Because there's still death. Because there is brokenness in mind, body, and spirit. Because there are still hurting people. Because there are still people who are... um, who are still just so enslaved to fear. There is brokenness. And Jesus says that we can help him bring healing. We can help him bring wholeness to the earth. And I want to do that because I want to see people healed. 
I want to see people come into freedom in their relationship with Jesus. And so how can we know that we are good soil? Well, let's look back up um, through verse 15 through 20. So we're going to go through the types of soils. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, you know, okay, Jesus is talking to these people, and this is right after another gospel shares this same story, and it says that it's the same day, actually, where we learned about last week where Jesus' um, Jesus's family comes and tries to take him away because he's, like, embarrassing them. They're like, we don't know what you're talking about. You're not making any sense. Like, you're, you're looking bad for the family name. Like, come back with us. Um, and it's that same day, another gospel tells us. And so I was like, wow, he really is trying to help them understand. Like, he's like, don't be like these people, but, but receive what I'm saying. Receive what I'm saying as truth. And so um, what I've done is I have kind of compared what I think, who I think Jesus may have been talking about when he talked about these different types of soils. So let's look in verse 15. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown. So how do we, and, and looking at this and looking at another uh, version of this same story, I, I was like, okay, how does this happen? Well, it happens because the soil is hard, and the seed is just laying on top. Another version says the birds just come and take it away because it's just there on top. And I thought, who could this be like? Well, this could be like the Pharisees because the Pharisees had a hardened heart towards Jesus. The Pharisees had already made up their minds when they encountered Jesus, when Jesus shared with them. They had already made up their minds that he was wrong. And so they had a hardened heart towards Jesus. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while and you've heard the word and message of Jesus, but you would say this morning that your heart has been hard towards God, that you haven't been willing to receive the message or the person of Jesus. Well, God can take your hardened heart and he can give you a tender heart in its place. One of my favorite passages is in Ezekiel um, 36, and he says that, God says, I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. So God can do that this morning if you ask him. Allow the message and person of Jesus to truly come into your life and transform everything because he really does do the most amazing things when we let him. Verse 16. Others, like the seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. This sounds good, right? But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is like the crowds. The crowds are like fully in support of Jesus when he, is giving, when he is healing them. They are fully in support of Jesus when he is doing good things for them. And I was thinking about my own life in different seasons and how at certain points in life when Jesus was healing me, 
I was like so on fire for Jesus. I was like, yes, Jesus, like all the joy. But then a hard time would come. And I would say, well, God, are you even there? Like, maybe, maybe I don't want to be, maybe I'm not in this. Commitment to Jesus beyond your circumstances is how you can become good soil. How you can grow roots that are deep, that keep you safe from falling away. The next type of soil is found in verse 18. Soil with thorns and weeds. So, still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So the first two for me, I was like, okay, like, yeah, they're not following Jesus. They do not have faith for the real world. Like, they're, they're not following Jesus. This one, I'm like, okay, they do. They love Jesus. They do. But it's like Jesus' family. They loved him, but they also loved the approval of the word, world, which is why they had come to take him last week to try to stop him from teaching because they cared about what everyone else is thinking as much as they cared about Jesus. Are there things in your life that make your heart divided where you would say, I do love Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want to have faith in him and to trust him. But I also am really concerned about this. What are the examples that are given? The worries of this life. Jesus tells us so many times, do not worry. Because when we trust Jesus, right, and when we make him supreme in our life, we don't have to worry. Because he is in control. And we know that he is good. It says the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things. I see that as kind of the fill in the blank whatever it may be in your life. Do I care more about the kingdom of God than I do about my career? Do I care more about Jesus than my family? What comes first? What Jesus says or what my friends say? What do I meditate on? The word of God or the hurtful things somebody said about me? that I have memorized? What comes first? In my mind, my priorities with my money? Does Jesus come first? Do his words take priority? And does the message of the kingdom of God, which says there will be freedom, healing, restoration, and reconciliation, does that take priority? See, although the seed in this example is accepted and grows deep, it doesn't bear fruit. It doesn't continue to advance the kingdom. It doesn't spread the seed. Jesus says it can't happen when you try to put your faith in anything else other than Jesus. We sang earlier, in Christ alone 
It doesn't say in Christ and money. It doesn't say in Christ and a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It doesn't say in Christ and my kids. It doesn't say that. It says in Christ alone. I cannot encourage you enough to, to have an undivided heart. Make Jesus supreme in your life, whatever you need to do to make it happen, because he's the giver of life. He loves you. He wants to restore you. He doesn't want you to live in anxiety but peace. He doesn't want you to worry about your money. And the best part is that Jesus helps us. He will remove these things. He will remove these cares and worries from our minds if we let him, if we make him supreme. And this is exciting news that we get to partner with Jesus, that we get to be good soil, that we get to sow the seed of what God has done in us, that we get to sow the seed of the message and the person of Jesus. And I'm so thankful for those who have sown the seed of the word in my life, who have shared with me the message and the person of Jesus. I think of Cora Gibson, who I saw earlier. Cora used to watch me in the nursery when I was just a little girl. And she used to sing, Jesus loves me, to me. That is sowing the word, because that is sowing the truth of Jesus. Or Beulah Braza, who has gone to be with Jesus, who taught one of my classes when I was growing up, and who shared with me the word of God. I think about Pete Hartwig, who shares with us often the word of God. He shares the message in a way that we can understand, and he invites us to have a personal relationship with Jesus every Sunday. And I think about Kelly Baker. who was my first year core group leader when I was at the University of Virginia, who shared the word of God with me and who showed me how to live for him with my whole life. And now Kelly and her family, Kelly and Jason and their family, are going to share the word, the message and the person of Jesus in Africa and they're going to be sharing with people who may never hear the word if it wasn't for them. These people are faithful. They were faithful with the word. They were faithful to share it. They were good soil. And they changed the trajectory of my life. I can tell you, if they did not share the word with me, if they did not spread the seed of the message and person of the kingdom, I would not be standing here today. So let's be good soil. Cultivate a soft heart towards Jesus. Choose faith beyond your circumstances. Live an undivided life where Jesus is truly supreme. And spread the seed. Share the message of Jesus generously, as we see God does. What could happen if we have faith in Jesus? And what could happen 
if we give somebody else that opportunity too. Jesus seems to think that we can change the whole world. And I do too.